Good morning and welcome to episode seven of What Would You Do If? So today we are covering the question that we get asked quite a lot, which is what would you do if someone says, are you truly international? Pause for thought. Well, yeah, pause for thought. Um, yeah, no, it's a challenge we get we get regularly um, in the business and we've probably had a bit of, not pushback, but been asked the question by clients a couple of times this week already. Uh, one, one, one that springs to mind was, we well, are not based in London, uh, how on earth will you service us? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Which was filled in with chills, obviously. Um, but in the sense of that was that was a, a genuine challenge from a client, you know, the fact that we were based um, two hours north on the train, and how would we manage that? Um, which then, uh, I guess, gave us the idea for focusing on this as a topic for the podcast, given, given obviously, London's really not an issue, um, but from a perceived perception of the, the clients that we service on the pan-European basis, the global basis particularly, um, you know, how, 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 do we, how do we handle that objection, I guess? Is the yeah, so I, what I was always sometimes back back to the client is, mm. and this is probably an int- interesting debate for us this morning, is yeah. what do you class as international? Because what you class in, because what you class in international and what the client or what sort, because different people will class dif- different for, for things. Me, for me personally, it's not, international to me would mean anything outside of the UK shores. For, 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 for if you're based in the UK, to be clear, right. Um, so you have to have offices there, or, or what's what's your? No, not at all. I think I think just these days, in terms of international markets, would be anything outside the UK shores. Just in terms of that's what I would class as international. Um, but in terms of being a international business is the different kind of aspects to so, it. So focusing yeah. from BDB's perspective, we've got, let's say, 25 to 30 clients that we work with, um, which are truly global entities. So not even European, global entities with offices and premises and sites and satellite offices and sales offices and marketing functions, all the way spreading from the US all the way over to China, literally yep. the full spread. And um, so, some in Australia, and some in strange places like didn't we? Some, cra- yeah. some crazy places, but in the sense of that, it truly is spread on that global basis, our client base. Um, mm. And you know, how on earth, how on earth do we service that with one office in Hale? I guess is is the honest uh, question that you've got to ask yourselves. Do you think this? Do you think this some, some, uh, uh, if we were based in London, do you think we'd get asked the same question? No, I don't think it would make any difference because I think a lot of people tend to think in territory. So if they've got an office in Germany, well, they what they want to service that office in Germany or that function in Germany. Whereas what where BDB was kind of founded and the vision of BDB, the way it was founded by Henry and Sue way back in the late eighties was, and it was it was their model was kind of this. They realised that the clients wanted to speak globally, not just locally. Yeah. So they were way ahead of the game in terms of the, yeah, real, the real realization of that, and obviously the technological advancements we've had since. And just the general internet and have made the world a much smaller place generally. Mm. But Henry always championed the model of one agency, one world. So rather than having multiple contacts all across the globe that we're dealing with, multiple touch points, inconsistency of experience, maybe um, BDB was kind of founded on the premise of you can come to us and we can run a global campaign for you. Um, now, that I think the point of differentiation for me here is people get a bit obsessed with where our office is based. That's irrelevant. Our office could be based in Paris. Yeah. It doesn't really make any difference to us. That's where our office is based. So where we choose to base our office is based on overhead, um, accessibility to expertise and talent. 
um, and yeah, keep keeping the business as lean as we can from a cost front, so we can compete and be. Um, yeah, you know. and I think people forget that Manchester is the most. Yeah. Is it the second mo- second most advanced digital city in the world? Mm-hmm. And but we don't have to operate with a London overhead. So no. that, I mean, in, in reality, would I want to set up in London? We're in London up every week. You vouch for that. Like yeah, every yeah, every yeah. single week, we're in London up and down on the train. Daily, people are up and down. Which only two, people don't realise it's only two hours from Manchester. It's quicker. We, uh, it's, just all, nothing, it's nothing at all. No. People commute longer to go into London from where they live in Surrey. Yeah. You know, so it's not. It's it really isn't an issue that from the no. London perspective. But be, being based in Manchester for us, we're, we're, our office location is near the airport, purposely near the airport. Yeah, so like ten our, minutes. Ten minutes. When our international clients fly in, they can come and see us at the office or e- easily. And more often than not, we're on the road. So uh, you know, again, um, raise a point. Chatting earlier, if you if you were to look at uh, my American Express bill and our credit card statements in work in terms of the weekly basis that people are out in Switzerland, LA. in Germany, in LA, in the US, in Vegas, um, over in China, over in Dubai, that yeah. you name it, we're there. So the fact that our office is in Hale isn't really yeah, not, I, uh, not even a consideration. And, that, and that's where I was saying on the differentiate with the, the, the truly international, are we truly international? Yes, we are truly international because in any one week, we can be in five or six countries. But, it's beyond, but it's beyond the travel. It's beyond just travelling. So our clients, the ability for us to service our clients is because we've got the legacy, the heritage, the knowledge, and the, deep, and the deep expertise in the various territories that we're referring to. So if a client does want to launch a new product into the Italian market, well, we know exactly how to do that. We've got the editorial contacts. We've got the expertise. We know how to. We know how the Italian market works. We knew. We know the nuances. Got native speakers. Native speakers in the business, and we also know how to not just translate content, but transcreate content to make it appropriate for that specific market. If a client then comes to us and says, "Right, we want to take something into um, French market," we've got the exact same experience there. We've got the clients there. We've got the contacts there. And we've got that that deep rooted knowledge that very few other agencies can really compete with. Alongside being at the cutting edge of the B two B marketing landscape, alongside in terms of the content, alongside in terms of our approach to kind of service our clients, so um, it, it's it's way beyond just travelling. But in the sense of, of no, but it's a good indicator if you if you look at you know the, the spread of where we go to, where our clients are, where we prospect, uh, and also where we attract talent from. As you say, you know most of our team are, are linguists; they speak multiple multiple languages. Um, which I'm insanely jealous of. That is my one biggest regret yeah. in life, but that's a totally different podcast. But, um, you know, so it's about our team is um, very international. Um, the businesses we operate with are truly international. And I would say we are probably one of the only, only agencies globally that can, that can service the type of clients we do on that global basis. Which is, what, which is why we attract some of the biggest names in the, the, in the sectors that we operating really and I, I think, and, I, and I don't and I think when we come up from a pitch point of view obviously having been in many pitches now I think people generally are not, not surprised because obviously we do say we're international but I think then when you start you start going like yesterday for, for a perfect example was yesterday yeah. yes, yes. so just to give you a bit of context um, we're part of a huge E3 network which Matt will talk to you about in a minute um, and Matt had done a, um, a speaking opportunity at their annual year conference and we got referred by our Israeli um, agency. Thank you very much, Arit. Thank you, Arit. Yes, <laughs> to um, and the company in Israel who um, who are 
global, global, and I mean global, global. Every mar mar market leader in their field, yeah, yeah. Mar market leader in their field, to come and speak at their sales conference about international marketing and how we could help them, how we could help their sales force be, um, you know, stay on top of the game. That was yeah. that was the, without giving too much away of the brief. Yeah. But that just goes to show when we then we were on the call and he asked the question, didn't he? Hmm? And then we literally went bang, 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 bang. There's, there's all when, our I examples. Think when, I think when you start speaking about the, the clients you've got, the company you keep, so to speak, who you who you work with, who you engage with, that helps build the 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 respect and kind of the <clears throat> um, help win the clients over because the, the the clients that we work with wouldn't work with us if we couldn't deliver on that global basis for them. Um, so you know, you, you name check the kind of the three network there. So the three network, um, we joined re really to, to to give us more spots on the map if we ever needed it, um, because we don't really rely that heavily on the three network. It's a great it's a great network. It's thirty independently owned B two B agencies um, across uh, the world, but most of them most of them um, that's not all of them, but most of them tend to operate quite in territory. So, and the German agencies operate the German markets, French, French, which Italy, helps us at times. Yeah, no, it was, it's great. So, if if we if we need some kind of deep rooted insight into a market that we're not that familiar with, I don't know, potentially Japan, for example. Japan's a good example. Um, China is always an interesting one in terms of a market, in terms yeah. of if, unless you've got feet on the ground there, which we haven't. Um, but we've got a really close partnership with the um, the guys from Brandigo who who head up the, the, the China offering for me three. Um, and then there's also some harder to reach territories and weird and wonderful ones that crop up every now and again outside of kind of the, the core European Yeah, I think, I think sometimes when we've done Eastern European stuff, we've lent, yeah. lent on our network yeah, there, which has massively helped. A little helped. bit of Poland, a little bit of Bulgaria at times and stuff like that, that's helped us. Um, but broadly, we, we don't lead on E3 too heavily because no. re really we, we, we have for the last 30 plus years serviced international business from our existing um, team and, and, and an office here, so to speak. So it's more it's more of a. Um, I totally get the challenge from a client, but if you want to work with the best of the best in a certain field, does it really matter where they're located these days? And that's that's the use of technology. That's the use of the internet. Um, and I think in terms of how we engage with clients and how we interact with them, mm. we're out we're out seeing them a lot. Is what I would say. So. I would imagine we're face-to-face we're -face -face with clients as much as you would be with an in-territory Yeah, I mean, we had this chat the other day, we had this chat the other day didn't we, about we're just about to plan our next six six months' exhibitions. Yeah. So it's, they're already planned out for clients, so we know which ones we're going from a client's point of view. Yeah. And I'd say we're probably at one or two exhibitions across the world a month, but from a new business point of view and, and Matt going out and seeing clients and being, being there and, and being at, that, at, the, at the cold face, We'll probably over the next six months get to for another four or five. Yeah, just me and you. Yeah, plus Absolutely. our plus our team as well. Plus the team that are out on a on a, on a monthly basis as well at various yeah. Ones, yeah, and that that for me is where I I know that we are truly global, international, global, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, of where where it is, and I think sometimes when you when you sit down with a client, you kind of you do forget when you sat in that pressure situation of a, of a pitch. Then when we sit down and talk about it on a podcast, now you go, why, why didn't we say that? And sometimes why didn't we say that at the pitch? Because I think it's one of those things of, um, we should probably make a bigger deal of it, but unless you're specifically challenged on it, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even see it as an issue no. these days. Because 
kind of what I was getting at then in the sense of if you're a German agency working with a German headquartered company, let's just say, and, and we come in and we pitch against a German agency, yeah. we'll have as, mu- as many touch points, if not more, and face-to-face meetings than the Interratory supplier would because Definitely. we fly out, we, we, we meet with them. So if you think about an agency, you might have a monthly check-in or you might have a quarterly check-in or whatever. Well, we do that with all our clients in terms of the, the, the key um, stakeholders out with our clients on a regular basis. And then coupled with that, the use of technology, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Skype, whether it's Slack, whether it's whatever, whatever technology, so many different options these days. But we're, we're interacting with our clients daily. Um, every single day we are messaging, calling, video calling, you name it, you know, way beyond email these yeah, days. Yeah, but I, I kind of got with the, the client when we, when we what we pitched on Monday in Rotterdam. So yeah. we were in, over in Rotterdam, Rotterdam yeah. on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really nice, really nice group group that we pitched. And I kind of got, I did get a point because um, she said, I've worked with agencies before who said, yeah. I am truly international and global. Yeah. And they're just not. Yeah. Because we do, unfortunately, live in a, in a world where People you can look, you can look international quite easily and set up your presence online and make it look and feel international. Oh, you could get by a PO box in every country, couldn't you? But well, then I think the, the the merits of BDB, and this isn't pitching BDB, it's more expl- expl- explaining the point that it is the company we keep, the clients we've got would not work with us and wouldn't have worked with us for the last 15, 20 plus years if we couldn't deliver on that global scale mm. because they're not looking for specific territory support. They want truly global campaigns designing for them that resonate in territory but also on that global basis so the consistent theme running out and how that's then transgraded and pushed into the different territories that's what we specialize in um, and you know the roster of clients that we've got um, is, is exactly that so in the sense of that you know you just have to rattle off a few of the names that we work with to most people and they might not have heard of all of them, because mm. some of them are quite niche and, you know, two or three times removed from kind of the, the buying cycle. But um, they're, they're all tier, tier one, top one to five, I would say, roughly in their, in their own sectors, generally, who we're working with. Um, and we, just, we, we wouldn't be able to maintain that work and we wouldn't have that stickiness of the client, the longevity, longevity of the relationship, if we couldn't consistently deliver. So I know we covered this, this in a... In a previous podcast, yeah, um, because I hope you don't mind me saying on there. If not, we'll edit, edit it. Anyway, know. yeah, <laughs> could be coming but, out there. But I know we, I know we lost, we lost, or oh, we came second in a oh, yeah. huge, yes, huge pitch. Yes, yes, yes. Because of this point, yeah, um, and now we're taking steps to make sure that that never happens again. Yeah, but well, as I say again, I think I probably said it on the last podcast. It's a, it was a right kick in the teeth at the time when we invested three months in it and. 25 grand in a pitch, so it's put real, real numbers on it for people. We'd literally spent 25,000 pounds with my decision to go after this piece of work. And then obviously when you, when you don't get it, um, you, question, you question your decisions to do that. Was it the right answer? Arguably that was another member of the team we could have taken on, you know, that kind, that kind of um, analysis. And what, So what I thought, I know we covered, I covered it, I didn't cover it too much in the previous podcast, but yeah, I know since then we've made major strides to make sure that if those that opportunity and that opportunity will pop up, up, up again um i'm that, gonna i want to go back after it i know we are that's what i'm gonna do yeah but yeah no in the sense of for, for me for me um yeah there's various learning the various learning so we we really pushed um the prospect for feedback because i felt like we deserved it more than anything well you would do 25 grand yeah but we kind of got that you, you know you get that you get that you're chasing them a little bit quiet 
and then we got an email saying, oh, sorry, uh, you, you've not got it. And that was kind of how it was left from their perspective. And I was like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Um, we've invested three months, an awful lot of time, a lot of tears, a lot of arguments in the office pulling this together and delivered. You know, in the yeah. sense of it wasn't... Which Clients is, don't see that. No, but it wasn't, like we, it. it wasn't like we crumbled on the day. We absolutely smashed it on the day and we got great feedback. So, you know, we left the room, heads held high. Um, so to then uh, to then find out we, we, we weren't successful, which is... Pretty rare at BDB. If we, if we pitch something, we, we tend to, we tend to win it. This was a different beast, the size of it. Um, I felt like we deserved some more robust feedback around why we why we hadn't been successful, which is fine. It's one of my biggest one of my biggest bugbears, mm. and and something that we've discussed, haven't we, when yeah. I first started about almost creating a, a document that they have to give us back when we, you know, especially. I think, if I think the conversation I'm having the conversation a lot more with. Um, with prospects now in the sense of before we enter into the process mm. will you commit to giving us feedback one way or the other you know because otherwise you've no idea and i think the ones that won't give you the feedback is typically because they've gone with the incumbent gone with a friend had no intention of using you in the first place yeah and that's the that's the kind of um not animosity but that's what it breeds inside me they think well if you won't give me feedback it's because we arguably should have won it but you've got no justified reason for well, so i know i know it. we're going off subject slightly but it's it's a, it's a point in subjects because i think for me there should be an industry standard to stop people cat psychic and stop people shopping around but then you, you, get, like, you get into and this is a different podcast when then you get you can get into well again should you be charging for pitches yeah which again is a, is a totally polarizing subject again because it's you know it, when you when you've lost something and you've, you saw you think all right i want to charge everybody for a pitch but if you charge everybody for a pitch and nobody invited for a pitch because there's plenty of other people that will pitch for free um so it's, it, that's a, it's a polarizing subject, and I flip flop on that quite regularly. Yeah, see, I could bring you someone on this podcast who, who argue that from a, no, from no, a no, really big no, DCA. No, I, no, but I'd, I'd argue with myself on it. That's yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. It depends which day you catch me on. Yeah. Um, so sorry, go on. Tell us the story. No, so in the sense of so the the, the opportunity. Yeah, one, one of the, one of their points we were challenged on was they were they were a truly global business, truly global, but no different to the rest of the clients that we work with. Mm. And you know, turnover, oh, billions. To be, clear, to be clear, yeah, I can't remember the actual number off the top of my head, but it was billions. Um, it was huge. 30, 40 plus sites across the globe, um, manufacturing sites and production sites, and um, yeah, a real, a real market leader in their field. Um, and yeah, the, I'm trying to think where to take it. So basically, we, one, one of the pieces of feedback we got was, was, was challenged on was the, was the international. Uh, international presence, I guess, of, of, of BDB and how on earth would we do it? Now, the guy we were pitching to was very sophisticated and he knew exactly why he was asking the questions. I don't think for a minute he doubted we weren't international because mm. he knew the clients we kept. He knew the, he knew we were you know, all over the show. He knew, um, he knew where our office was located. He was just pushing buttons to see how we reacted to the question. Um, but that kind of exchange, which went on for about an hour with myself and, and John, one of, the, one of the business owners and the exec creative director here, you know, we gave a great case, I thought, of putting our case forward and we we threw into the mix the E3 network, which we don't normally reference that much, no. but we brought it into the mix to yeah. say, you know, in the, in the, in the, if, you've got, if you've got any weird and wonderful territories, we've also got friends in these places and they are friends at E3, and it, you know, as much as networks get a kick in, um, because, they're, because they're independently owned, owner-managed B2B, we, we do all know each other yeah. and we get together two, three times a year and outside. I mean, well, I can't, I, I can, I can honestly say we probably get Three or four calls a week, emails a week. Yeah, I was on yesterday to, yeah. to ask 
to our Swedish guys who, who we do business with. We don't do a lot of work in Sweden, but if we ever did, then they'd be the guys that we're picking up the phone to, and they're, they're the best in class at what they do as well. So yeah. they're, they're a great bunch of people. So we kind of referenced that during the pitch process, and that got absolutely torn apart by this guy <laughs> on the spot, which was fine. Um, but he said, you know, his argument was, well, it's basically a club, that isn't it? Network's just a club. So yeah, I'm assuming you pay a fee just to be a member of that, which, which absolutely, that's exactly, exactly what it is. So try to explain, yeah, it is, but you've got 13 independently owned business all working together, you know, we all know each other, that kind of thing. You say, well, is there any consistency in the del delivery between the teams? Is there any consistency in kind of methodology? No, because we're all independently owned businesses. Um, so he said, well, what happens if, hypothetically speaking, your contacts in China go bust? Does that impact you, you financially? No, because it, it doesn't. You know, we lose a friend in a territory which is difficult to service, but in reality. So he was unpicking it very quickly. Good points. Great, great points. Doesn't stop our doesn't stop our abilities, PDP, to service the clients no. that we do. Um, but I think when you, because I, 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 I know where you're going to go with this, but I, we truly do deal with truly global, global, global clients, and our budgets are mm -hmm. massive, massive. Yeah. Yeah. But just to to put the picture, this was an eight million pound opportunity. So you you were well. I think I think eight million pound. We put at the starting point. That was that in, in terms of a fee. Yeah, that was because um, I think I might reference the previous on a previous podcast in the sense of um, what well, as part of the feedback process. I asked him, were we, were we in the right ballpark fee wise? Because it was so big, it was difficult to budget for um, and build a quote for because it, it was such a scale. Um, and I think the feedback was the phrase I, I always say to people, the phrase that was used was, yeah, you know, that was the £8 was in the right ballpark for the initial piece of work, which I thought, well, that's good and bad, isn't it? Because I've lost even more now. But yeah. I'm kicking myself even more. No, but I just didn't want you to give context to people listening. No, it was huge. It was, like, a, it was a huge opportunity. So the scale of it was massive and it would have been um, challenging to service, but it would be challenging to service for anybody to service, regardless of your size to an extent. So the, the, company we, the company we lost out to in the end had done a better job of positioning themselves as a global basis because they were a branded networked agency is what I would say. So um, let's explain branded network agency to people. They all had the same name. Right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think for me that necessarily means they're any better or worse than the proposition we had out there. Yeah. But they've, they've got a wrapper brand that sits around it. So uh, I'm not going to start name checking other agencies, but in the sense of if it was BDB, it would be BDB Spain, BDB France, BDB Germany. Got you. Now, having worked at a PwC, and I always feel like I reference this, PwC, obviously there's PwC all over the world. Um, yes, they have consistent methodology, they do. Because that's, that's, what, that's what you buy when you buy. Values. Kind of all okay. Consistent value. They don't know each other. Genuinely don't know each other. So you can, they have a, they have a directory you can flick into and you can ring up the, Sp the Spanish office and you can speak to somebody there and they'll speak to you because you've got the same brand name above the door, but they don't know each other. There's no mm. relationship there. But, you know, in reality, should that Spanish entity go into liquidation, does that impact your UK offering? Of course it does, but then they'd go and find another one quite quickly, wouldn't they, I suppose, is, is the argument. So so I, I did a lot of a lot of thinking off the back of that in terms of how how we can truly internationalise ourselves partly perception to be fair because it won't really alter the work that we do with our clients from a BDB perspective but creating and forming a truly international group with an equity based relationship so where whoever's a member of the group has an equal equity shareholding in the group so rather than it being a, a not-for-profit club or 
you know, friendly kind of relationship. My, I scratch my back first, you scratch yours. Well, that's one way around. Yeah, everyone's, got, skin, everyone's got skin in the game. You get the idea. So everybody's got skin in the game and there's a more cohesive drive to kind of bring together methodologies across agencies, share intel. And rather than having 30 independent agencies creating their own content and repetitively creating the same things, working together to obviously grow um, and attack the international markets. So that's what I've been doing since we lost that pitch. Yeah. Develop, de developing that. <laughs> I've seen it happen recently. Um, I can't remember the agency's name now off the top of my head, but they did it to in Channel 4. Okay. The, the, the ones in Leeds. Oh, they came together with the other agencies. 28 or Formed a bit of a consortium <laughs> to go after it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they formed, it was four or five companies and they, they did the same thing. I don't know the facts on that, but I'll put money on it. That wasn't an equity-based relationship. It was yeah. probably a club network type arrangement where they said, well, let's all get together and go after yeah, yeah. it together as like a combined force, which it works. I'm, I'm not challenging that. It does work at times, yeah. but it's easily unpicked. That's yeah, but I don't, think it, I don't think it works when you're thinking of those size opportunities. The size opportunities, the I, que I, que I question whether it works. And, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people who've been, been at, the, at the E3 conference of the week. I question whether it works generally that the best intent can be there to work together, the best intent. You know, they're great, they're really good people. But there's no accountability, let's be honest. But there's no shared risk and reward, yeah. that's the point. So, especially if things are operating on a not-for-profit basis, which I understand, because that makes it clear, transparent, that we're all in it to help each other, and that's the kind of the mantra. But in reality, if we were in the same group together, am I going to show you my methodology? Am I going to share my IP with you? Am I going to share my content with you? Knowing that you can repurpose it and bang it out in your market, and I see no value for that whatsoever. Mm. So then I'm wholly reliant on you giving me something back. And I know you, you know your your BNI background, the whole the whole giving kind of give us gain, yeah. whatever it's called. You know what I mean? I'm sure, you can articulate that better than me. But but that I, I totally get the sentiment of it. No, but, but, but there's no accountability. It was no, but give us gain in BNI. Just thinking about that. They're not in competition with each other, are they? No, because it's a one-seat per industry policy. Right. So in, in a network argument with an agency, we've got 30 people that arguably operate in similar, if not the same markets, trying to, trying to help, help each other. But there's a, huge risk of, um, there's a huge risk of people stealing your work. And, and, and that, no matter what happens, you'll always be nervous oh, of that. Of course you will. Of course it's, you will. A, it's a natural human instinct to do that, un unless you've both got something to gain yeah, out and, of it. And, that, and that's why the... The steps that we are now making to, to make that group um, will change that game. Yeah, I've got a call about it just straight after this podcast. Ooh, exciting, <laughs> exciting. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap up today because I think that's been a, a really good podcast in terms of, and I'm hoping that um, if you're a client or a prospective client listening to the podcast today, kind of gives you a flavour of what we truly mean by international. Yeah. Uh, and also a little glimpse into the future. A little, a little, a little cheeky glimpse into a the little future. Glimmer of light. Yeah. So, thanks very much for listening. Um, as I always say at the end of this podcast, please um, turn on your notifications so you know when the next podcast comes about. Um, and if you can subscribe, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Also, just a little plug for our um, new print, not printed, it's digital magazine. Well, we print it as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so the knowledge uh, b2bknowledge.com, www.b2bknowledge.com uh, has gone live on the 1st of June. We said we'd do it and we've done it. Check us out. We've actually followed through on something there. We've yeah, got something on our own content for a change. Um, really, really proud of it. Looks absolutely brilliant. Um, done two editions now. One, which is a, the voice edition, which I would encourage anybody to listen to. Um, 
and also one on storytelling, which I know me and Matt have covered a lot, so I won't go into that. But please have a read of that. It's all groundbreaking stuff if you want to be ahead in the B2B marketing game. Nice future-focused content, and ultimately we've done it ungated. You can download it. Um, it's free to access, um, ultimately to help our clients and prospects navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. So hopefully you enjoy it. Bye for now. Thanks a lot. Thank you.